roll away the stone. Marigold was a small child, bare from top to toe, who fell one day into the forest. She fell with a bump, all in an instant, where she was, there she was. It was dark and all around her was gloom as gray as ashes, between trees as black as soot, and it was lonely. There was no one else in the forest except her. Then, far off among the trees, she saw a spark of light. She ran towards it as fast as her bare little legs could carry her. The spark grew into a little house, all glinting and glowing. Peeping in at a low window, Mary Gold saw a fire burning merrily on the hearth, as if it was very glad to be alive. In front of it, a white doe, a female deer, lay stretched out contentedly. There were red candles burning brightly on a table, with supper laid around them on a linen cloth, so white that it shone. In the firelight and the candlelight sat a lady working at, pur at a purring spinning wheel, her face so motherly that Mary Gold suddenly felt comforted. As Mary Gold stood and stared in at the peaceful room, the white doe lifted her head, ears pricked towards the window. And at this, the lady rose from her spinning and came to the door and opened it. Who is there? she called softly into the night. Marigold, gulped Marigold. Come in by the warm fire, Marigold, said the lady kindly. She bent and helped her in. She sat her by the fire beside the white doe and tucked her up in a snug, soft shawl before bringing her hot milk to drink. Kneeling beside her, smiling, she touched a beauty spot between Marigold's eyebrows that was like a tiny Marigold. Now I know why you are called Marigold, she said. My name is Bona. Where do you come from, Marigold? Marigold thought hard. I can nearly remember, but not quite, she said at last. How did you come, Marigold? Bona asked her then. A big bird dropped me. Marigold told her promptly. Marigold clutched a torn strip of fine linen in her hand. Bona pulled it out gently and held it to the fire to examine it. It was exquisitely woven, and it is in a design she had never seen before, with a gold thread fringing the material. Staring through it at the fire, Bona saw a picture forming in the flames. She saw Marigold running up a flight of marble steps from a sunny lake in which she had been bathing. She saw her waving the towel in her hand at someone nearby. She saw a griffin swoop, attracted by the glitter of the gold fringe. She saw the tussle and the towel tearing, and Marigold snatched up in a griffin's claws and carried high over the plains and forests. Who could tell how far? Marigold was lost, and it would be impossible to find the way back to her home. But Bona lifted the lid of the big cedar wood chest in which she kept her woven cloths, and she laid the linen fragment carefully away with them. Mary Gold stayed with Bona and became her foster child. Bona spun and wove garments for her strong and for her strong and brightly colored. They fitted the carefree life she led, playing with the white doe, running happily in and out of the little forest house, helping Bona to keep it all glinting and glowing, gathering herbs in her garden and apples in her orchard. Do not stray too far into the forest, Marigold, Bona warned her one day, in case you meet a tiger. Would a tiger not be friends with me? asked Marigold in surprise. The deer and the hares and the birds and the squirrels all are. We have wild beasts in the forest too, Bona told her. It is one of the king's hunting forests. 
just in case you do ever meet one. We will cut you a hazel wand at the next full moon. The orchard had a hedge of hazel bushes all around it, and at the full of the moon, Bona and Marigold went along with this went along this with a silver knife. The bushes waved to and fro in the moonlight, and Bona looked each bush over until she found the most pliant branch of all, so pliant that when she cut it, it twisted around itself like a rod entwined by two snakes. Carry it always in your belt, Bona, said as she gave it to Marigold, and if any wild beast threatens you, hold it firmly in your right hand and touch his heart with it. And what will he do then? asked Marigold breathlessly. Oh, then, said Bona, he will be your friend. That night, as Bona and Marigold slept, an earthquake shook the forest. The little forest house fell in so that its roof timbers lay lower than its floor timbers, its floor higher than its roof. When dawn came and Marigold crawled out from amid the carnage, Bona and her white doe were nowhere to be seen. Marigold searched for them near and far, calling their names with a breaking heart. She wandered to and fro, she found that the very shape of the forest had changed. Fallen trees blocked the green paths she used to run along. The clear springs she used to drink from had been swallowed up, and at one place where there had been a landslide, she came upon a cave that had been opened up. The little forest house is gone, thought Marigold. I will make this cave my new home. At least it will give me shelter. So she took whatever she could salvage from the ruins of the little house to this cave. She had to leave the big cedar wood chest, for it was broken. But she was glad to empty it of Bona's woven claws to add a little warmth and cheer to her new bare home of rock. All she left behind was a rotting fragment of gold-fringed linen, which was caught on the splintered wood. As she knelt in her new bare home of rock, coaxing a spark from flint and steel to light a fire, it suddenly got darker. Whirling around, she saw that the lower part of the mouth of the cave was blocked, and two green points were burning in the gloom. Who is there? she called out bravely, though her voice did tremble a little. The bulk, blocking the entrance, moved further into the cave, and as the light streamed in again, Marigold saw a huge wild beast watching her with green eyes blazing and sharp teeth bared. His orange coat was striped with black. A tiger is here, he growled deep in his throat. And who are you? And he made his whiskers fierce and bristled his tawny beard. Marigold, gulped Marigold, shaking with fright. But even in her fear, she remembered Bona's warning and her right hand flew to the hazel wand in her belt. Are you not afraid that I shall eat you, Marigold? The tiger growled again, lashing his tail and unsheathing his cruel claws while his body crouched ready to spring. Not while I have my hazel wand, stammered Marigold, holding it firmly and pointing it straight at his heart. At this, all the wickedness ran out of the tiger, just like sawdust stuffing. He yawned a homely fireside yawn, stretched himself lazily, and lay down, as relaxed and happy as a pet cat on a warm hearth rug. Mary Gold leaned forward and touched the place where she thought a tiger would keep his heart with her hazel wand. His whiskers twitched and twinkled with pleasure, and he smiled most amiably. 
This is a fine cave, he purred. Two could live here and be good company. Let's set up house in it together, and I will take care of you. They set up house together in the cave, and Uncle Tiger, as Marigold liked to call him, became as fussy about Marigold's safety as an old hen with one chick. He prowled about the forest till he found a boulder, just the right size for a fine front door. And between them they pushed and pulled it till in triumph they got it to the mouth of the cave. Each time I have to go out on tiger business, Marigold, he told her, you must shut yourself indoors, and you must not open our fine front door till you hear me calling. Marigold, Marigold, roll away the stone. Now promise me, cross your heart. And she crossed her heart and promised him. Next day, while Uncle Tiger was out on tiger business, Marigold heard a loud uproar in the forest. She crouched, cowering over the cave fire, and blessed their fine front door. For it sounded as if all the wild beasts in the world were rampaging on the other side of it. It was like music in her ears when at last she heard the tiger growl. Marigold, Marigold, roll away the stone. She ran to obey, and in staggered Uncle Tiger, puffing and panting and weary to the bone. The very second he was inside, he closed their fine front door, then threw himself down by the fire and purred with pride like a kettle on the boil. I led the king a fine dance today when he came hunting in my forest. Did you hear his hounds yelping and his horses thudding and his hunters shouting and his horns going tintibby, tintibby, as if they were swift? I was swifter. Oh, Uncle Tiger, don't go out tomorrow, Marigold begged alarm. You have saved yourself for the first time, but you mightn't do so the second. What would I do if the king were to kill you? Tush, first you would have to catch me, said the tiger. But do not hang your bright little head and dim your beauty spot with worry. There will not be a second time, for the king never stays here more than one day. He will be hunting in some other tiger's forest tomorrow. The king had indeed planned to do so. But as he and his hunter sat around their campfire that evening, eating before riding away, they started telling stories of the day's sport. And if the first story was far-fetched, those that followed were even more so. And the laughter grew louder and louder with each one. Presently, one of the hunters said, Now this is as true as, I, as that I sit here in this forest. I was hard on the tiger's heels when he reached his den. A rock blocked its entrance. The tiger asked a flower to roll away the stone, and this rock moved, and the tiger went in and the rock moved back. Again his comrades shouted with laughter. Then one challenged, Beat that if you can. Believe this or not, another hunter replied, but in this tumble-down forest I found a tumble-down orchard, and in this tumble-down orchard I found a tumble-down house. And in this tumble-down house, I found a tumble-down chest. And in this tumble-down chest, I found this. And out of his hunt hunting pouch, he pulled a strip of rotting linen with a fri fringe of tarnished gold. Well tried, cried his comrades, shouting with laughter again. But one of them stretched out his hand for the strip of linen. He held it to the firelight to examine it, as Bona had done when Marigold first came to her. He rose and went to the king, and a sudden silence fell on the rest of the men. Sire, he said, my wife is the queen's towel weaver. I know this pattern well. 
This is the fringe of a towel woven for the royal nursery. It was a fringe exactly like that, like this that was torn off the towel the Princess Marigold's nurse brought back away from the lake the day the griffin carried Princess Marigold away. Marigold? repeated the hunter who had told the story of the tiger's den. That is the flower the tiger called to. Marigold, Marigold, roll away the stone. Everyone held their breath, waiting the king's reply. We sleep here tonight, said the king. If the sun was up early next morning, the king was earlier. Dig a trap for that tiger out of earshot of his den, he ordered his hunters. Snare him alive and unharmed and take him back to his den. Then he said to the huntsman who had found the cave, Now lead me to this den. The huntsman did so, then led the king's horse away while the king hid in a nearby tree from which he could watch the mouth of the cave. For a while nothing happened. No one went in, no one came out. Then, as day followed dawn, the rock of the cave mouth moved. Out came the tiger, and it stood waiting and watching a while. Behind it, the rock moved back again. The tiger sniffed the air and smelled the good smell of the goat the hunters had tethered in their trap as bait. He paced towards it, advancing through the forest, advancing through his forest like a lord. When he had passed out of earshot, the king came down from the tree and stood before the cave, making his voice like a tiger's, at least as far as he was able. He called out, Marigold, Marigold, roll away the stone. The stone was rolled away. The king went in. The young girl who stood before him was so like his queen in her own girlhood, girlhood that his heart leaped. But there was one difference. Between her eyebrows shone a beauty spot like a tiny marigold, which had given his long-lost daughter her name. Marigold, trembling a little at the sight of a human instead of Uncle Tiger, snatched her hazel wand from her belt and pointed it at him. Then, as she met his eyes, memory and joy flashed up in her, and she flew into his arms like a bird. The king's horse was led to the mouth of the cave, the king was just lifting Marigold into the saddle when the hunters hauled the tiger back, snarling but unharmed, on a strong leash. As soon as he saw Marigold on horseback, the tiger snapped his leash as if he, it were made of cobweb and bounded up to her, his whiskers all on end. Where she goes, I go, he growled. Or who will she, or who will she have to take care of her? The king nodded. And so... Seated before her father on his horse, with her father's arm around her, her hazel wand safe in her belt, and her uncle tiger pacing majestically beside her, Marigold went home.